entire educational system is, is was, was built on an industrial model from the 19th century. And frankly, it's never changed. And it wasn't designed to necessarily um, make well-rounded, you know, thinkers and children. It was it was to get them ready for the factories. And mm-hmm. so much of that has not changed because now it's, it's getting them ready for the corporate world. What is the corporate world? Desperately trying to get a job to, so you can sit in a cube, cubicle all day, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week for a salary that you can merely pay your rent. For the rest you know I mean? of your life. Yeah, and that's and it is right. There was a scene. Yeah, there was a scene in uh, the rocker with Owen Wilson. He goes, "I'm gonna go work in a cubicle until I die." (laughs) But anyways, Uh, and it's it's not to say again, all schools are like this. It's not to say that all um, businesses and corporations are like that. We've had a major transition since the 2000 since 2020 with uh, with corporate corporate corporations and and companies, and in a good way, and in many good ways. Uh, because it's like you know now they're working at home or they're or they have a uh, um, you know the hybrid model where it's like they work at home for a couple of days and then they, and they're at the office for a couple of days and I've interviewed a lot of different people or talked to a lot of different people about it that's much more natural than having to sit there every single day five days a week you know in your office and it's funny too because I used to do consulting years ago and it's like I'd walk into some of these big corporations. And, um, and I just kind of like sit there and be watching, you know, as I'm kind of waiting to set something up and it's like, you know, there'd be a manager in their office and then the phone rings and then somebody walks in their office and then, and then they got to go off to a meeting at 10. I'm like, how do you get anything done? How do you get they anything don't. done? You know? And you don't. And, 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 don't yet, yeah. and yet the corporations have these absolute impossible odds and goals. If you've been paying attention, you know, the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are gonna fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure, and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Chad Stewart. He's an author, he's an activist, and we are gonna be talking about the lack of creativity in our youngsters. The fact that the system, the schooling system, breeds out critical thinking, creativity, so many elements that you need to be able to be successful. I mean, yeah, you can be a successful robot and just be a worker. And if that's what you're looking for, and that's what it's geared for, is for people to not question, to just do what they're told, and then go work a job. That's what we're breeding. And we're sorely lacking in critical thinking skills and creativity. And it's so amazing what we're, we're going to talk about today. Children before the age of five and six are like little geniuses. Their creativity measures are through the roof. They can come up with creative solutions that adults can't, that, you know, adults have been beaten out of them. They can't do. And so we're going to talk about this little creative geniuses that we have and how we are undoing that. And instead of letting them flourish and thrive, we have messed it up with these, these educational systems that work against their nature and what it is that we need in society. And so he has this book series called the Brickfield crown. And it is this wholesome series about these two orphans that are one thinks they're fit their, his family or his parents are alive. And it's this whole quest searching for his parents. But in it, he is he has integrated the concepts of creativity and for the reader to be more creative. And he goes to all these schools and they have these workshops and he's going to explain it all. It is so important. I remember watching about 10 years ago, I don't know if it was a TED talk or what it was, but it was a video of a guy that had this, it was a seminar of some sort. And he had this group of little kids and then he had a group of adults and they're supposed to 
solve problems. And the little kids just blew away the adults. And it you would think those adults could come up with better solutions than the little ones. The little ones blew them away because they were not lacking in creativity. And so we're going to talk about that. This is an important topic. It is an interesting and mandatory topic for parents out there to think about how do you keep that little genius that you have that's three, four, five years old, how do you instill that and and grow that genius instead of destroying it? And the decisions that you make on how they're going to be educated will go into whether your little one is going to grow up to be a creative member of society or more of a robotic automaton. I mean, that's the decisions that parents have today, and there are options for you. And so we're going to talk about some of that as well. It's a really fascinating discussion. Before I get get into this, I want to remind you about the capsule, the giveaway that we have. We are giving away 10 EMF protecting capsules, and you can go to sarahwestall.com slash giveaway. I had the link below um, for others and you cannot capitalize giveaway like give and away cannot be capitalized i do that a lot you can't do that the lowercase matters in this case it usually doesn't matter and then with emails and everything else everything is converted to lowercase but in this case it's not and for some reason that happened so sarahwestall.com giveaway all lowercase and you will get there okay uh, lastly i wrote an article about whether am i anti-semitic for being against the genocide in Gaza. I wrote that on my Substack and a huge explosion of comments and people engaging and it really hit a nerve. And then I wrote a follow-up saying of the responses that I've gotten from that article, all the comments and, and just the gist of what people believe and think. And I think you will be surprised at what's really going on. I think there's this huge disconnect between the media and the politicians and the everyday person on the street. People are not okay with genocide. And you can give whatever arguments you want. You can come up with all the reasons why it's okay to do something and the people are not buying it. And you got to read it, sarahwestall.substack.com and go, in fact, I'll have the link below and you can go read it. You can read the comments, especially read the summary of the responses. I think that gives you, it's really therapeutic for me. So I hope it helps you as well. Okay, let's get into this really good conversation with Chad Stewart. Chad, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be on. Well, you have a really interesting topic that you've been focusing on, and it's really important, too. I first came or I first bit was made aware of this maybe 10 years ago of the fact that children lose their creative capabilities, mostly because of the meat grinder we put them through. Sure. You yeah. Talk about it at a high level. Like, what, what are we looking at here? And then let's dive into some specifics. Sure. Let me do a, can I do a quick overview background? Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. Do an overview yeah. <laughs> of who you are first and then we'll so get Like, in. who is this guy? Well, you know, I usually do a little bit of an intro, but it's okay. better for you too. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm originally from Newport Beach, California. I was back east in uh, Wellesley, Massachusetts for about 16 years. Uh, that's where I did my undergraduate in British literature, European history, and then graduate work, and then actually got into the corporate world and investment banking. And it was uh, about 12 years ago when I had the idea for uh, the first of a seven book series called Britfield and the Lost Crown. And part of it, which will tie into our conversation, was I was sent down to this really boring seminar in Providence, Rhode Island. I think it was insurance. And and, uh, you know, had to go and had to take notes. And I started to drift and I started to doodle when I got the idea for Britfield and the Lost Crown. And I think part of it was I was just dying to do something creative. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but sat down, you know, that weekend and on one piece of paper kind of started to outline the first of a seven book series it takes place in England, present time, present day, up in Yorkshire, Northern England. And it's about Tom, who's a 12 year old orphan. And he's been an orphan his whole life. He's been at Weatherly Orphanage for six years. And this is the year he's going to escape. And that's kind of how the the whole story starts and then it turns into this high octane adventure and it was really through this time and through this research um that we you know uh started to get into creativity and the creativity crisis which i'll kind of transition into long story short we launched the book 10 years later august 2019 
And since then, it's become a national bestseller, and it's one of the most awarded books in children's fiction. And, and it's it's for so many reasons. I think you know we're, we're kind of saturated right now in an industry uh, with with demigods, witchcraft, um, uh, occultism, you know, superheroes, uh, vampires. I mean, everything and anything, but real kind of situations. And I think I just wanted to make the Britfield series as authentic and real because it connects with kids you know and at the end of the day you can't wave a wand say a spell to get yourself out of a problem you need to use your mind create creative thinking right critical thinking communication collaboration four c's and so we started a uh, tour national tour and i drove nine thousand miles visited 23 states presented to over 200 schools to over forty thousand students um wow. a little bit about the book and then about creativity and the importance of creativity and story writing. And that's how this whole thing kind of started to, to come about. And I did it for a lot of different reasons. One was, you know, it's great grassroots network to launch a new book series, a new author to the scene. But I was really more interested in just driving literally across the nation and really getting a sense of it, getting to see what's happening at these schools. Um, you know, what are the kids doing? What are they reading? What are they thinking? Um, love talking to librarians, teachers. And I went to every type of school out there, you know, private, public, Catholic, Christian, charter, homeschool, Title I, saw it all. And, um, and so it was amazing, really. And it gave us a lot more, if you will, intel in a greater sense, because we did our research for 10 years about what's happening in the educational system. And uh, right now we're in a creativity crisis, and we have been for over really 20, 25 years. There's a great book uh, written by Dr. Kim called The Creativity Crisis, and she actually researched over, um, I think, 200 to 300,000 students over, over a gap of of 10 to 20 years. And she saw that in 10 specific fields, starting in the uh, 90s, um, schools were actually educating creativity out of out of children. And, and it was kind of like a slope that goes down at 45 degrees angle. Actually, I got some stats and some statistics. Um, but she was kind of the one that kind of woke me up to that whole crisis. And then actually, part of it, too, was a wonderful... TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson, 2006, and it's the most watched and popular TED Talk uh, since they, they've done him. And you have to ask yourself, you know, Sir Ken Robinson, like, who's he? And, and it's titled, um, Are Schools Killing Creativity? And I think in 18 minutes, he absolutely encapsulates what's happened to the educational system, the importance of creativity, um, and how it really needs to be brought that is that where he does that experiment with the kids and shows adult the adults? Was it him doing that? Where the adults? No, no. Coming? That was another one. Okay, I saw another yeah. TED Talk or some kind of thing where they show um, younger kids coming up with a solution and older people coming up with a solution, and the kids have way <laughs> better solutions. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it's so so really back to back to to Dr. Kim. So she she found out that since the 1990s, schools have killed curiosities and passions, narrowed visions, lowered expectations, stifled risk taking, destroyed collaboration, narrowed minds, killed deep thoughts and imagination, forced conformity, solidified hierarchy, and as a result, children today are less emotionally expressive, less energetic less humorous how sad is that less imaginative less talkative less verbally expressive less un uncontroversial uncontroversial less lively and passionate and less perceptive and um it's also based on another uh study done by uh, someone by the name of george land he's a writer and researcher that developed a creativity test and he inst instigated it into the school systems then he tested five-year-olds and at five years old, kids were, were testing at 98%. So basically out of 100, 105 year olds, 98% were like little geniuses as we are all born. We're all born yeah. creative. So if you don't think you're born creative, you are born creative. It's a gift of God. We're all born creative. We're all born with unique gifts, individuality that makes us unique and wonderful as, as we are. He tested those five-year-olds at age 10 and they scored 30%. Mm. And then he tested them again at 15 and they scored 12%. Mm. So he saw that in 10 years of really basically traditional educational system, public system, that kids at five years old went from 98% to 30% in 10 years. I mean, sorry, from 98% to 12% um, in 10 years. I mean, just a tragic. And so on, on the one side, we're in a creativity crisis, major deficit. <clears throat> and on the other side, creativity is the most important skill set in the world. And that's all based on current research, meaning is it engineering? Is it mathematics? No, none of that. That stuff is almost relatively irrelevant. And I'm not saying that it's not important, but creativity is the single most important cool. skill set in the world because it's at the at the foundation and everything well, that we do. You, 
Yeah, if you have uh, a deep understanding of math and science and you're creative, those are the geniuses that change the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. that it's the creative spark that takes those basic foundations and turns it into something amazing. One of the things that I've seen as a solution to these problems, and I, I, I think it's good, but it's not the solution, is to increase music and art, oh, yeah. art yeah. programs, oh, yeah. right? That, that That's good, but that's not really what we want the creativity to be everywhere right and the critical thinking to be everywhere and so it's almost like they compartmentalize and say okay you can be creative in music and art here and then everywhere else you got to be a certain way but it's the everywhere else that we need the creativity too right yes yeah it's just opening up this this idea of discussions you know it's like the entire educational system is is was, was built on an industrial model from the 19th century and frankly it's never changed and it wasn't designed to necessarily um make well-rounded you know thinkers and children it was it was to get them ready for the factories and so much of that has not changed because now it's it's getting them ready for the corporate world what is the corporate world desperately trying to get a job to, so you can sit in a cube cubicle all day you know 40 50 60 hours a week for a salary that you can merely pay your rent for the rest you know I mean? of your life yeah there and that's and it is right from, from there is a scene the- yeah there was a yeah. scene in uh the rocker with owen wilson he goes i'm gonna go work in a cubicle until i die <laughs> but anyways uh, and it's, it's not true. to say again all schools are like this it's not to say that all um businesses and corporations are like that we've had a major transition since the 2000 since 2020 with uh, with corporate corporate corporations and and companies and in a good way and in many good ways uh because it's like you know now they're working at home or they're or they have a uh um you know the hybrid model where it's like they work at home for a couple of days and then they, and they're at the office for a couple of days and i've interviewed a lot of different people or talked to a lot of different people about it that's much more natural than having to sit there every single day five days a week you know, in your office. And it's funny too, because I used to do consulting years ago and it's like, I'd walk into some of these big corporations and um, and I just kind of like sit there and be watching, you know, as I'm kind of waiting to set something up. And it's like, you know, there'd be a manager in their office and then the phone rings and then somebody walks in their office and then and then they got to go off to a meeting. At 10. I'm like, how do you get anything done? How do you get they anything don't. done? You know? And you don't. And, 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 don't yet, yeah. and yet the corporations have these absolute impossible odds and goals I remember that whole thing because I was in banking, but it was years ago with Wells Fargo and it, and, and their motto was eight is great. And they were expecting their, their retail side to, to open up eight new uh, banking accounts a day, 40 bank accounts a week. Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, well, well, if you just I worked put in banking the, and if you got, yeah, you go ahead. Yeah. If you just put the goals up there, everybody's going to reach it, which is a fallacy. But you know, yeah, and they, got least... in, they got in big trouble because there was there was thousands and thousands of false accounts because these people didn't oh, want to lose their is. jobs. So, because yeah. they felt they had to. That's what fuels that type of behavior. That's incredible. Yeah. We used to have a running joke when I was in telecommunications that you could, uh, because so exactly what you said originally is that everybody's in meetings, nothing's getting done. And we say, if all you did is, um, if you did nothing, you could keep your job for a year. And if all you did is return phone calls, voicemails, you could keep your job for two years. I mean, That's good. It, was, <laughs> it was just so ridiculous. You just kind of show up and clock in and then, That's and then right. return home, right? You have to I'll show up. If you just meeting. show up, you can keep your yeah. job for a year. You go to the meeting and just take some notes and you're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Say some so, smart things here and there. <laughs> but, but I like what you're saying about music. It's Music is so, so, so important. And it has nothing to do with the fact that a child wants to become a musician. And if they do, fantastic. And there's lots of opportunities that, that are available for any of the arts. And we are right now, we're, we're in a renaissance. You've probably heard that. And, mm-hmm. and we are in a creative renaissance right now, which is exciting. What's what's happened is they've done everything they can, if you will. Who are they? Behind the scenes, you know, the yeah. usual suspects, you know, to, to get creativity out of the classrooms because they don't want children to think for themselves. They don't want them to challenge anything. They just want robots, you know. They want them That's part right. of the, the Borg. And, um, you know, the, the group think, you know what I mean? And versus, you know, uh, yeah. 10... 20 great individual, all with different talents. You know, this one's an artist and this one's a writer and this one's an engineer and this one's an architect. And that's fantastic. That's how children are are born. They all have those great, unique gifts. And then you shove them in these classrooms and the only qualification to be in this classroom is that you're 12 years old. And if you think about it, I mean, it's insanity. You know, eight, nine, 10 year olds sitting there at a desk all day you know, 40 hours a week and then the bells just like at the factory, you know, it's lunchtime and then you come back. It's not even much playtime anymore. Uh, but to bring music back in, to bring the arts back in, painting, writing, 
music, all the other different aspects, it does something to the brain and scientifically proven upside. There's so much research on, on music and musicians. And I'm not talking professional musicians, just people that play that have learned to play a musical instrument and can read music are actually better managers, better, um, better under crisis, better thinkers, better brainstormers. They can adjust to changing situations far more quicker than anyone else. Isn't that interesting? And they're hired often five to one to 10 to one. And it's not like on the application, do you play a musical instrument? But if they sit there and they're reading your profile, it says, you know, I was in a band or used to play the trumpet. Uh, you suddenly have their interest. And it's just something that happens within the mind when you're in your creative zone and we all know it. Our world is changing rapidly. Many crucial systems we depend upon are collapsing. And the most important system that is failing is the food supply. But amidst the chaos, there is a path to resilience. I have the great Marjorie Wildcraft coming to the program. People who do not know her, she is kind of like the mother of ultimate preppers. And she's just, she's really good. I've spent decades finding the fastest, easiest, and funnest ways for the average person to be able to grow a lot of food. I used to be a hopeless gardener, but thanks to Marjorie, I'm growing food, and I'm really happy my family has more food security. Marjorie's webinar gave me the confidence to raise and process my own meat. Food production, and Marjorie, I want to thank you for the, the free webinar that you put out there at that website. I've already had uh, you know massive response from people that love your information and how you, you express the joy of learning how to grow food also, and in a small amount of space, when it really counts. So thank you for all that you do, Marjorie. If you go to sarahsbackyardfarm.com, you can sign up for that seminar, that free seminar. I'll have the link below. And so if you have the opportunity, check it out, sarahsbackyardfarm.com, and you will get a ton of free, great information. Go ahead. Well, I got I to gotta say, I used to teach um, entrepreneurship at the Carlson Business School in Minnesota. And um, I the successful the percentage of successful entrepreneurs coming out of business school versus art school design school is less there are more successful entrepreneurs coming out of an art school than there are somebody who's trying to become an entrepreneur but for going to school to be an entrepreneur and it's that's because, fascinating yeah it's because they think out of the box and they persevere they're not going to just you know, take no for it. They just think creatively because that's what entrepreneurship is. You got to be creative. You're always facing problems. And so you got to deal with these problems create creatively. And if you can't, then you, it's, you're probably not going to survive. So yeah, that's a, that's a true interesting fact, but I would like to see the music and art instead of it being, okay, now you can go be creative now. In that kind of creative attitude needs to be instilled in mathematics and science and everywhere. And I know mathematics, like there's, there's no place for creativity. Well, that's just not true. Once you get to sure. the higher levels of, I mean, I practically have a math degree. Once you get to the higher levels of this stuff, it's all creative creativity. Those in computer science, that field is hyper creative because you're mm. always creating stuff. And so it's, to lose that is, I mean, how, so how do we get out of just saying, okay, you can just have music class and you can have, you know, art class. Cause I remember going to school and it's like, okay, now you can be creative. And then now you got to go back into your, your regular routine that helps, but that's not the same thing as having yeah. a critical thinking dialogue and back and forth discussion in social studies and in science and whatever other class that you have. Yeah, and it's and it's it's a hybrid model and it's a balance. You know what I mean? It's not to say all art and or all math. That's and, right. And, or anything. And it's like it's like what does painting have to do with creativity and math? And I would say everything. You know? yep, it, it <laughs> because is because it's bring yeah. up the mind of looking at something different and using colors, and then all of a sudden you're over here in math and you're you're stepping back for a minute and you're seeing a bigger picture. It's all about vision, um, you know, giving kids a vision and creativity and, and different ways to approach it. There's a great exercise that I love to do uh, with that we've done with schools, and because I come from a writing background, of course, and even a movie background, and so I, I've come into a room maybe. 30, 40 students. And I'll say, you know, like Paramount Pictures just gave us, you know, $50 million to write a movie. What are we going to write? And so I get them up in groups of like four to five, 
they pick a team leader, no big deal. Just somebody that's like, that's kind of the leader. And then, um, and they have 15 minutes and I say, we, what, what are we going to watch? I mean, we, do we want to, I mean, what are we going to write? What are we going to create? Do you want it to be, um, you know, an adventure series, a spy thriller, a romantic comedy? And they all get in their groups and I go around and I work the little groups, you know, kind of see how they're doing, feel them. And then each group gets up and they present their idea. You know, this is what we were thinking for a movie. Again, they got 15, 20 minutes, so they got to think fast. And, um, and then we vote on it in the classroom, you know, like, okay, we like that the best. And then I have just a simple three act structure, you know, inciting incident, plot point one, midpoint, plot point two. And we just start writing it. It's like free flow. And I'm like, okay, so where does it start? And it's like, uh, it starts in Colorado. Okay, why Colorado? Well, because, blah, blah, okay, you know, is it in summer or is it in, in, in winter? Very different, right? Okay, who's our main character? And what are some of his strengths? And what are some of his weaknesses? And I'll go through this whole thing. And, and I mean, literally every single child is one way or the other involved because there really is no wrong answers right yep, they're all yep. just different answers and what i'm doing within 30 minutes of that classroom is i'm tapping creativity critical thinking communication and collaboration those are the four pillars of, of creativity and i can i can guarantee and it's so much fun the stuff that comes out of these we create some of the most amazing stories and we never really finish you know what i mean we, sure. we, you know 50 minutes is up and maybe we got to midpoint you know and sometimes the teachers will carry on because I got to leave, you know, and the next day they might finish out the story or something, or they continue it all week. But I guarantee you, the children will never, ever forget that exercise. They'll probably forget 90% of the stuff they learned that semester, you know, the, the memorization, this and that, all the stuff that, frankly, they don't need to know, and, it, and it's irrelevant. But they'll never forget that idea of being with a group and thinking outside that box, like you said, and coming up with all these different ideas. And that's one, I, I give you the, give you that as one exercise of something you can do to break, break, break up that sort of stringent um, structure that are, that's kind of locked into the traditional system. And we do all kinds of exercises like this. We have writing workshops that we do. We have um, marketing workshops, which are so much fun where a child gets to, or the kids, the students get to um, market an idea or a, a product or anything. And you're sitting here saying it at 11 or 12 years old. I'm saying, absolutely. You know, why, absolutely. why not? Yeah. yeah. Are so you me? Yeah. are you floored by the creativity that you see from the younger ones versus the older ones? I mean, oh, yeah. it's just so much fun. Isn't it like, wow, Brilliant. they just came yeah. up with this. And, and oh, you can geniuses. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's a, incredible. One, another interesting fact that, that I know is that most of the vast majority of inventions come from outside of industries somebody looking mm -hmm. in to an industry versus within an industry because sure. once you get that you're set in your way so that's that same concept is that we're creating we've done that in business too so the adults are all set in their ways and their paradigms and they can't see out of it to create something new that's why i say create something new i mean you can't change things by trying to well you can but most of the times it's hard to change from within. You got to create something new that's better and hopefully it'll take hold. And I'll tell you this, and you're, and you're right on it. It's funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking about, I used to teach um, at uh, Point Loma Nazarene University, which was fun. You know, I was teaching yeah, communications, oh, marketing, yeah. business, all that kind of stuff. And and I remember like when I first got in there, because I was fresh and excited. It was like that first semester, maybe this, maybe the first year. And I knew the, um, uh, the uh, chair of the department of communications, neat guy. And I wanted to bring in some of the stuff from my outer world. That's why I was teaching the classes because I wanted to sort of test models, you if you will, yep. and come in with that fresh approach. And I, and I was going to pay for it. I was going to bring in this and do this. And it's like I within 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 days it got institutionalized, if you will. And they're like, those are great ideas. And we meet once once a year with the board to talk. And I'm like, I'm like, I just wanted to do like this little class, or I wanted to bring in these experts. And it's like it became, um, um, you know, shelved. And I just, and I gave up, you know I mean? Like, I'm like, because I got better you were things different. to do. You were different. Yeah, exactly. They don't You're want coming in to that. Try to shake you, the yeah. 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 So you, you, that's a perfect example of how you got to create something new that thrives, that's better than the other system. And then people are like, oh, that's way better, but it's difficult. Yeah. It is. And I can say it, you know, cause I can relate to it. You know what I mean? I can't just be the outside philosopher, but I was, I was in it and I saw it. it yeah, was, yeah. I was like, wow. And same thing in the corporate world. I mean, I worked, I worked for, for some of the top, I, I worked for a fortune 100 country com companies. And I saw that same mindset, you know, come in. And uh, it's interesting too, cause back to creativity and, and people that, that start something. And I've read, and you've done your research, you know, on, on pretty much 
like all the great entrepreneurs and and businesses. I mean, you name it. You know everything from Ralph Lauren, which is interesting, to uh, Sam Samuel Goldwyn. You know MGM, all the big studios mm -hmm. and stuff, and they were all rejected. All great ideas are always yes. rejected at first, completely. You know, even Amazon was looked at as a joke. And I know we, we have our mixed feelings about that now as it's taking total control. But I'm just saying, I mean, it's like they thought it was ridiculous or, or Federal Express. You've heard that, you know, we already have the mail system and it's just like it'll never work. And well, the computer, and that the, yeah, the, that yeah, the personal Express computer was rejected at first. Yeah. And it took it took it took it took years, if not decades for things to finally work or for or, or fix. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it was like, um, yeah, it was like their third or fourth year. And he and the guy who had founded Federal Express, you know, put all his own capital into it, along with other investors. Yep. Yep. And they tested it, you know, and they sent out, I think it was like 100 and let's say 50 packages. And I think only like 13 got there on time and stuff. And he said, he said, we were hanging on by such a thin thread that if the wind just shifted, everything would have collapsed. And that is the standard story uh, to to all things. And I say that to people that are, that are interested in starting their own business to encourage you. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen overnight. There are no overnight successes. It just take between one to two decades. The difference between a hobby and a profession is about eight to 10,000 dedicated hours. It's just a fact, you know? And we live in this flashover substance society where it's just like, you can have it now and you deserve it now. And it's just like, no, you don't deserve it now. You haven't earned it. You haven't worked for it. You know, it's like the trophies for everyone that participates. It's all nonsense. It's all socialistic crap, you know? The overnight you success. Of value, anything of value is going to take hard work That's and right. time. Yeah, the overnight success proceeded with 10 years of hard work. Exactly. It's just the way that, it is. That's true. Yeah. In most cases. That's why the children who become famous early on, so many of them are so broken mentally. Because it's just not, they didn't do the necessary steps to build up to that success. It's funny, too, because I saw that, and you could probably relate a little bit, but it was during the um, the internet bubble, if you remember that. And it was like yep. everybody and their brother suddenly had an internet company, and they were raising um, crazy. Know, $10 million. And it's like, what are you selling? And it's like, we don't know yet, you know? And and, and I <laughs> literally, and I, and I would talk I to people. I, mean, I, know. I Somebody that I knew in Boston, it was so funny. He was like working for this company. He goes, he goes, we just did our third capital raise of like $7 million. We don't even have the product yet. And and I foresaw that 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 collapse and that's exactly what happened it completely collapsed because what you had is you had a lot of people that weren't very intelligent if you will that didn't come from a background of building you know they were they just come out of business school and i don't care if you're at the harvard business school I you know, Jack you. diddly you know and that's, that's what happened you had these you had the, these ceos i'm a ceo of this big company we just raised 10 million dollars and stuff and what happened is is when things didn't work out they didn't know how to adjust they didn't know how to rally they didn't know that that's actually part of the business you know that's the main like, part you, of the business yeah if you fail fail fast you know it's figuring like, it's out like failures yeah. is it yeah, exactly. That's your building blocks. And it's those it's those that stick it out. It's like it's like Ralph Lauren. I just use him as an example because he, he was a he was a tie salesman at Bloomingdale's that had an idea for for a product line. And, and, and he was like he was close to bankruptcy multiple times. Richard Branson. And that's a whole different story. But but Virgin, you know how that was all founded. I mean, he was arrested you know, for selling records and and his company was just I mean, and, and then they 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 it was during the uh this goes way, way back, but he was, instead of trying to do retail stores, he was trying to sell records over the mail for like two bucks less. And so they were building their business and all of a sudden there was a mail strike, you know, throughout Britain. And so his business was just teetering, you know what I mean? And, and all those stories are there for all those people. So people do their research, you know, you see this person now, or even an actor, oh my gosh, they just got an Oscar and they kind of came to the scene. Like you said, you go back and they've been in the industry for 15 years. Yeah. They went out for, you know, a hundred auditions to get one commercial and that was it for the year. And then they stuck it out. And the next year they got two commercials and then they got a bit part. And then they had this sit, they were in the sitcom, but it was canceled the first year. And it just, they, they stuck to it. They stuck to it. They stuck to it because they loved acting. They loved the industry. And it literally is about 10 to 15 years before they, they break out. And it's not to guarantee anyone breaks out, but you put any kind of time into that of, of quality and value, you know, you'll get a lot out of it. So. Well, luckily as a, as a female, there's other industries besides, Hollywood because 15 yes, I years you're kind of in trouble but you can be successful in so many other things after being 15 years into it yeah women have a little bit harder time because they have to be young but beyond that this is a rule for everyone but okay so you are doing this book series and you are um 
they're saying it's going to be the most popular movies. And I, tell us about what you have going on because that. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. I think it's interesting. We've been in a paradigm shift for the last, um, man, I guess about the last three or four months as we're kind of going from a soft launch to a major launch. So everything I've done for Britfield, so it took me 10 years, right, from concept and really what started as a doodle in that insurance seminar. Uh, and it took me four years, 2,500 hours just to write book one, Britfield Lost Crown, uh, 385 pages. And then, and then from concept to launching 10 years of hard work and stuff. But I think what's so great about the book and the series, and, and in many ways, is, is we're really elevating literature, where it's 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 really it's really a, we're we're restoring literature and restoring your faith in literature. But it's a, it's just a new level of literature. I don't I don't think there's anything like it on the market because everyone's hooked their wagon to this heightened fantasy stuff which to me is a lot of flashover substance and nonsense it's almost silly and don't get me wrong i grew up with james and the giant peach you know what i mean or charlie and the chocolate factory and those were fun books and stuff but they've gone so far off the reservation you know with the superpowers and the you know um enhancements and again too it's all it's all a ploy to get kids into the transhumanism and and it's, it's sure. to make children feel yeah and the, and the biggest goal behind all of it is to make kids feel that they're not they're not enough as they are you know what I mean? And if only I could be Superman, guess what? You are Superman. God's given you a great gift. He's given you talents and stuff. You just have to find your voice, your, your vehicle. And, and then suddenly you got these institutions and these schools that are knocking that creativity out of them and saying, you know, you're never going to make it as an artist, you know, learn, learn this or memorize this, you know, and, and, and work towards the SAT test that, that, that tests nothing, you know, it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> so, um, so no, we're really excited. So we launched book one, in, um, in 2019, August 2019, it's become a, a national bestseller. It's actually in the top 1% of all books ever sold. We do believe that in the next 10 years, we'll sell Harry Potter. Um, and I, That's I feel fantastic. more certain. That's yeah, incredible. I feel more certain. I know it is incredible. And it's for a lot of reasons. It's because because what we're offering uh, the public with Britfield and Lost Crown series is, is, a, is a wonderful, fast-paced, fun, exciting adventure based on family friendship, loyalty, and courage. As children and adults are reading it, they're learning about geography, art, architecture, and culture. And we're hitting the four C's, creativity, critical thinking, communication, and collaboration in every book. We've got maps in the front of each book. It takes place in present time, real locations. I do in-depth research, you know, everything from, you know, Yorkshire and how far is it to Oxford? How much would it cost in a train? What's the weather like during that time? You know, what kind of flowers grow in Vienna? in april i mean you know that kind of just deep research that there's authentic and real real locations real streets real real architecture cathedrals museums art, everything it's just they're they're wonderful fast-paced exciting beautiful books to read and um and it's incredible i don't know anything like it and i and i've often tried you know i, I try to sort of pin it to something you know, like I love C.S. Lewis. I was hugely influenced by by Lewis. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day with Narnia and, and the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, I mean, again, it's fantasy and it's magic and it's witchcraft. You know what I mean? With the witch and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's, you know, so you're getting back into that world. And then, and then you know, Tolkien, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's, it's uh, wow. It's like way off the reservation. Incredible writing. You know what I mean? And I know a lot of kids love that so series. In fact, we had a 14-year-old. Uh, high school student who read uh, who loves my series and read book three Britfield and Return of the Prince which we launched last year it takes place in Italy and she said you're now up there with Lord of the Rings so I thought that was pretty cool oh that's awesome that means that I mean you you have a, a theme yeah. of being creative but you have an amazing book series that's way beyond what you are trying to <laughs> teach I mean it's just an incredible yeah. in an, uh, in a piece of art in itself is the whole point yeah, without compromising. And so when, when we're compared to books like that, it's not only is it a great honor to say the very least. Yeah, for God's sake, yeah. Uh, right. But but it's it's great because that's because I'm competing against these really heightened fiction where they can use all these different devices and I'm not using any of them. And I think I think Brit, the Britfield series to me, I think it's harder to write within that real world because I cannot wave a wand or say a spell or come up with something or it's like, you know, what was that magic cloak, you know, or, you know what I mean? With those yeah, seeds yeah. that plant in the ground and, oh, there it goes. Okay, we can jump on it and get out of here. And it's just like, no, I mean, they've got to figure it out. It's I, I don't try to suspend reality too much, if you if you know what I mean. I mean, it's fiction, so yeah. I can have some fun, but I don't do it where you're like, hold on, wait a second, or how'd they get from there to there? Or, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's as real as it can be. And so, so we're, we're thrilled with the series. Um, 
you know, we're already selling internationally, which is incredible. I got an order uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago from, from Brazil, Spain, Italy, Japan. I mean, we're selling our books all over. There was a woman in the Netherlands that that uh, just we shipped out book three. She loves the series. She goes, I've never read anything like it. Um, so it's just the, the the impact that we're having globally, which was part of our plan, has been amazing. And next year is really when we when we go big with everything. So we've spent the last five years, really, if you will, launching it and, and moving it, if you will, but it's been a soft launch. And really, the United States has just been our, our pilot program. We're already in thousands of schools across the nation. We're being taught in hundreds of schools because we have an 83-page study guide based on, on uh, you know, standards. And so and so teachers can take Britfield and teach it in the classroom. So so that's probably one of the, your marketing strategy is a big part of why this is sure. so successful because you have all the schools now and the teachers going, yes, this is what's missing. It, you're coming at the right time in history with the yeah, right product right. and going after the market in the schools and the schools are heavily embracing you. And that in turn is turning into this phenomena. So you 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 have a good marketing plan, and the schools were huge gap. We're filling a huge gap. Yeah, that's yeah, like right. You, said, you have this. Yeah, because I remember when the personal computers came out. You know, Steve Jobs was always, "Let's get them into the universities. Let's get them into the schools." That actually worked, right? I mean, yeah. now they're the largest company in the world by a long shot. They're fifty percent. They're at three trillion. They're fifty percent larger than the next largest company. So it works by well, doing that. Yeah, yeah it worked. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Well, we could look back and say it worked. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Sorry for my dogs. Yeah, you know, They're barking, but keep going. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting, too, because um, the schools for me were always our beachhead. You know, people are like retail bookstores. And I'm like, that's tier three for us. I want to get it right to the kids, right to the classrooms. And so we, I'd be sitting there on the school tour doing presentations in front of three to 400 students in auditoriums, fourth through eighth. And um, and, the, and the presentations were really fun. I mean, they're very interactive. You know, it's PowerPoint. And we'd, we'd look at like, you know, movie trailers and, and, and images from like Toy Story. You know what I mean? Just stuff to get them engaged because we're talking about yeah. creativity. And, and we were also talking about the difference between, you know, an idea and reality. And, and I would even tell, four, you know, fourth and fifth graders, you know, my story, you know, from concept to launching it 10 years, 10,000 hours, hard work, dedication, rejection, failure, frustration, people telling me it'll never work. People having, having literary agents saying 384 pages for middle school. And I'm like, have you been to the bookstore lately? I mean, just, just disconnected, you know what I mean? Disconnected from reality. And I went through all of that, but I had a dream, I had a vision and I just stuck to it and I knew it was right. And, and, and this is where we are. And we're, we're, we're at the beginning of something extraordinary. And I literally, as of this morning, one hour ago, just finished the third draft. I was looking for, oh, here it is. <laughs> the third draft of the uh, Britfield and Lost Crown movie script. It's right there. It's going to be a movie. And editing it, and it's and it's gorgeous. And it's, and it's basically a finished third draft. And we've gone through this process for over a year. And the movie's everything. It's like architectural plans for your house. Literally finished this morning. Got it from 168 to 148, 148 pages, which is perfect. And it is... It's going to it's and it's funny, too, because we, we know through research and from what we've heard, you know, how big the movie will be. But I'm I'm writing it and I'm going through it and I'm seeing these scenes from the story. It's kind of funny, too, because as an author, I'm already writing book four. You know what I mean? So yeah, people yeah. go, I'm asking about book one. And it's like you're kind of disconnected from it. But it's like I've been so involved in book one. But it is so people are are going to are going to watch this movie and be so blown away that there's actually a movie and a story out there the way that it should be you know i mean everything about it is so real and pure and fun and exciting and family focused and tender and moving and it's not compromised by any of the hollywood crap or agenda or nonsense or filth that they're putting into everything they do well, I, we're, we're, you're gonna have you're gonna see kids come back and see britfield lost crown movie 10 times. You're going to have grandparents finally be able to take their grandkids to something, family night out to go see Britfield again. You're going to have children sitting in their seats all through the movie, getting up and clapping in the first time that you've seen in probably years in the, in the theater. That's what this movie is going to do. It's, it's going to, we're going to break box office records. Hollywood does not know what's coming. Okay. Yeah. So how, how are you incorporating? Cause I haven't read the book. I need to now you're yeah. saying all this. How are you incorporating this idea of creativity with kids and that whole concept in a book series how is that 
you know, how because, yeah, that's a great question. Part of it is be because it takes place in present time and in reality. Um, Tom and Sarah and, and Tom and Sarah are faced with Tom. You know, Sarah's like um, Tom's best friend. They're both 12 in book one and they're trying to escape from Weatherly and they finally escape from Weatherly. And during this this whole adventure, you know, Tom finds out his parents might be alive and there's this thread or hint of Britfield. And so th during this whole adventure, they meet people along the way and um, and they talk things out and they discuss things and they try to figure out what to do. And sometimes they have the right answer. Sometimes they have the wrong answer. And so it's really the most real, like natural story that kids are picking up on it, if you will. Um, another device I use is that I frame stuff, but I don't over describe it, you know, which probably most authors do, right? And we're reading a book and it's like, oh my gosh, two more paragraphs on what this house looks like. And it's like, who cares? Or what, how she's dressed. And it's just like, who cares? I mean, it's like, you know, uh, an emerald green silk dress with nice diamond jewelry. Got it. Boom. Onward. You know what I mean? And they just go on and on and on. And it's like, yes. that's not the story that has nothing to do with the story. It's not moving the story forward. And we leapfrog, right? We get those paragraphs. And it's like, we leapfrog it because we don't care. And we just want to continue with the story. So I'll Kids frame probably stuff, like that better too, because then they're not, they that's why they like so reading it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like real, I'm um, streamlined with my description, but I'll get a lot of feedback about how great the description is um 90 well, because of the they fill in the description with their mind that's it so that's my yeah. answer to your creativity i'll frame it and let them fill it in and i'll give you an example like the hot air balloon that they that they uh, they take to escape from i describe you know the basket and, and, the, and the tanks and how high it is but i never describe the color of the balloon and who what writer wouldn't describe the color of the balloon and, and i do that because every child's going to have their own color that they put in there, you know what I mean? Of what that balloon looks like. And that's just that's a small right. example of what I'm doing is I'm I'm eliciting from you your God-given creativity to fill in a lot of this stuff. And so I'll frame it, you know, I'll tell you a little bit of the structure and stuff and you fill it in. And we know because we get feedback from kids all the time. I've got thousands and thousands of letters that we get really from around the world, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, you name it, um, from how they connect with Tom and Sarah because it's real. You know, they can actually connect with Tom. They can connect with Sarah. Maybe they're not orphans, you know what I mean? Or maybe they're not being chased by police. But but it's these incidences that they're in. And so... So Tom is I mean, an orphan whose yeah. parents might still be alive. And Sarah is an orphan who's his best friend. And they're trying to figure yeah. out if his parents are still alive and where they're at. Is that the premise of the story? Yeah, yeah. Part of it was escaping and, and their goal was to get to London. And you'd sit there and say, why London? And it's kind of like, why not? You know, they're up in Yorkshire in the cold blizzard, you know, blizzards and, and freezing December. And it's like London, the greatest city. It's like New York. You know what I mean? It's just exciting. It's like if we ever escape, we get to, we get to London. But along the way... There's this clue of Britfield and then they crash at Oxford and they meet this Professor Hainsworth, who's a kind of a stuffy old professor that's dying for a vacation and suddenly he decides to help get the kids to London. It's so precious and it's such a, a heartfelt, warm story, you know, this kind of father figure and stuff. Meanwhile, Detective Gowerstone, who's been assigned to the case, is after them trying to capture him. You can't figure out why this detective is so fanatical. I don't want to give anything away and stuff. And it just Does it, it just tie ties does it tie yeah. into kind of our broken CPS system and how these kids are? It's, it hits. Yeah, there's, thread, there's, that? there's a lot of threads to that. Yeah. Without going there, it goes there, if you will. And, and a sure. sense of how, because whether the orphanage, it's like it's terrible. The, the, the owners, Mr. and Mrs. Grievous, right, live in this beautiful Victorian mansion. And uh, and they're paid by the state, you know, as long as they have something like 56 kids, they got to maintain that. And the kids work all day in the factory and they make, and it's called the factory. And they make, the boys make, you know, uh, wooden chairs and tables and the girls weave baskets and then the grievances have people that take it into the into the towns and sell it kids don't get anything they eat once a week they have no library they have no education um so it is it's kind of like is, based is on, that, on a lot of that is that is that something that you found is common with some of these orphanages around the world like the kids are sure. like that oh. and so you base yeah, it most on of them yeah, you base yeah. on a real world. See, this is the Western world. So we don't think that an orphan orphanage would be that bad in a, you know, in England, you know, or United States, but you found that they are. Without, yeah, and I know a lot, but I don't want to go on, go into it on the show, if you will. Um, and you have other people that you can bring on, but I've, I've done sure. my research for the last 10 years. Basically, I've been relearning history for 10 years. So I, I know the depths of the rabbit hole so a lot of this ties into it but it, i don't go into that darkness if you will but it's there well, the you're trying, there. You're, 
you, yeah. you're trying you're trying to do something different so you have to be very careful with your marketing i understand and your messaging and so you're yeah. trying to reach a much broader audience than just the people who would be upset with the cps system you you don't want that yeah and it's not it's not about the orphanage it's like it's getting that's out of that's right orphanage. There's a great well, quote that said Lincoln wasn't great because he was born in a log cabin. It was because he got out of it. You know? <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. you're you're trying to reach a much larger audience that spans, right? All political angles. That just everything. everything. Oh yeah. I mean, it's 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 that's why that's why we know already how big Britfield will be is because it reaches every demographic. I mean, who doesn't care about their kids? I mean, if my if my number one theme in the book is family and the importance of family, that's the theme of it. I don't have an agenda. I'm not trying to sell anything. And it's like, it's like, and it's not just family, like um, that Tom's parents might be alive, but it's a family bond that, of the people they meet along the way. Right. We have, we have, we have relationships outside our family That's right. that are stronger and closer than our family will probably ever be. And we would take a bullet for them. You know, there's, there's, we would go to there any length. Family. That's family. And so that's the theme through this whole thing. And it's these wonderful people that they meet along the way that, that sacrifice, you know, like, like Hainsworth leaves his position to go help him get to London and probably will get fired for it. And he's just at that point where he says, you know what, I'm going to help. And you get that throughout this whole story. And it's just, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. Um, that's, I mean, that's why we're reaching people from all over the world. And um, it's interesting. Some of the schools I've been getting letters. This is uh, these are four letters I got from one school and their assignment for the English class was to um, write a letter to their favorite author. I got four. And I'm like, wow, are you kidding me? And, That's um, wonderful. I'll read this one thing because it's really cute. But, you better um, pat yourself on the bat and, and soak that in because in life. I do. <laughs> you, I do. That's the oh, point. Every... Of if, you, if you've been around a while, you can appreciate where you're at. And if you you get yeah. success too fast, you don't appreciate it. So getting oh, those letters is, is awesome. Keep going. Yeah. So he says, um, I'm just paraphrasing. He says, um, Tyre Britfield series was was very exciting and, and enjoyable to me, but I definitely like Britfield and Return of the Prince. That's book three, which takes place in Italy. And he says, uh, is, is my most is my favorite out of all three. I liked uh, I liked it most because the storytelling and the plot was amazing. And the way it was described was just great. Sometimes because the book was so good, one could forget they were even reading a book. <laughs> I thought wow, what a great comment, you know, so. That is great. Well, it sounds like because you didn't over define what you're looking at, you gave the people doing the movie a lot of creative uh, leeway as well. Yeah, the script now is, is uh, I just sent it off to my producers. Um, we hired a professional script writer um, who's, you know, been in the industry for 30 yep. years. He's yep. written 40 scripts. He got it to the second draft. And then three weeks ago, a little, little less than three weeks ago, I took over, if you will, because it was at that point where it's like, instead of me keep reading drafts and making notes and then having to waste time, it's like, I know exactly what needs to be done now. And so he was very helpful in the process. But, you know, I mean, it literally took me took me um, 100, almost 150 hours and almost three weeks um, to to do my final edit of the third draft of the script. And I got it from 168 to 148. A lot of work. And it's just like it's it's and I say that it's just like the amount of work to get things as good as you possibly can. You know, there, there are there are no overnight successes, like I said. And so it just takes that dedication and commitment one page at a time one sentence at a time and it's so tight it's so clean it's so fast it's it's exciting and so we'll be shifting into pre-production early next year if all goes well we'll be filming in england um probably this time next year probably october next year So when are you thinking it'll hit the market hopefully we could launch november 2025 for book for the first of seven movies and so there'll be you know there's seven seven books there'll be seven movies um and Ooh, what it, studio it, is are you working with uh some of that we're we're not at liberty yet to to, to okay. discuss but we've got a major as our distributor and but you um, do so you have a major distributor hollywood is behind you on this one it is so this particular distributor uh we're working we're working outside of hollywood completely um but we're working within and it's too it's like it's almost like you know you kind of have um, to though right so so you're trying to do yeah, you know it's like it's like yeah. jesus jesus revolution was it Jesus, that, that movie Jesus yep, Rev yep. Revolution being, being on Netflix? It's like good. I mean, I'm not a Netflix fan at all. They're they're so far off the reservation now. It's I don't. It's hard for them to even do any quality content. I mean, if I see that little N, I know it's going to be crap. Unfortunately, um, 
but uh, but but it's like as an example that it's like you got this sort of faith based um, movie. I don't know if you saw uh, was it Jesus Revolution. Yes. You, you know what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, I haven't seen it on Netflix, but I did really well. Yeah, it was about yeah. fifteen million dollar budget, did about sixty seventy million at the box office. Very successful. About this whole thing that happened in the seventies at, at Calvary yep. Chapel in Costa Mesa, and um, but it's like you know it's now available on Netflix, and it's like great use use their system to get it out to millions of people across the world and stuff. So most of Hollywood, I know you did something um, recently with Hollywood and, and what's going on. And I'm familiar with Hollywood to the depths of it. It's it's not a pretty sight, but I, I do believe many things, that, a lot of things are happening behind the scenes. I think the old Hollywood that you've known is, is starting to die. Foundation's gone, they're bankrupt. They've been bankrupt for, for years. You don't do $100 million movies that do 100 million at the box office, which means you, you've lost about $70 million. Every movie and film has to do between three to five times its budget to even break even. And yeah. so they keep putting this crap out there. Even the recent one with the um, Avengers, uh, the, the most recent one, it's tanked, it's crap. Um, most everything Hollywood is putting out right now. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. And then some of these, you have $300 million budgets, which means they have another hundred to 150 million in, in marketing and advertising. And, the, you know, and so you're looking at almost a half a billion dollars to get it out there. And they're doing 250, 300 million at the box office. It's like, it's over. I mean, you don't, you don't lose hundreds of millions of dollars for film and, and bounce back and rally, you know, because, because it's like, the failures are harder to recover from. I know like you have Barbie, you know, that was $100 million. It did $1.4 billion worldwide. I mean, that was a, number one, you're also building on a brand that's been around for decades. You know what I mean? Number two, I think why it was so successful is because parents were just desperate for something to take their kids to and something fun. And I'm, I'm not promoting it one way or the other, but I'm saying you have some of those successes, but those successes are divided up too, you know? So it's not like, you know, Sounds like you yeah. might have a formula that is a little bit beyond just a movie too. Cause if you're doing a seven book series and you're doing a series, cause the series seems to do better as you can develop the characters and movies are, are not doing as well compared to all these series that are on regular time. Yeah. Right. I mean, the whole no, industry no, is changing. We're in development on, on uh, two television series two for Britfield based off of Britfield and stuff. So yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of things in the works. The wow. film is the big thing right now. That's the main driver. There'll be two, two um, Britfield series that we're going to be working on probably next year, which is exciting. Now, whether it paralyzes or par parallels or comes after or before the movies, just sure. we'll see yeah. how that works. Yeah. Cause the whole um, industry is changing, right? I mean, cause people, that's just it. People just aren't going to the movies like they used to, which is so strange. You never thought. But there's nothing that, that there's nothing change. to see. Yeah. yeah and, they, and they and they are going. They are going when there's something to see. But there's nothing to see. There's nothing to watch. It's I'm not, not like it used to be. And, no. and it does no. seem like it does seem the industry is in putting its money in different areas, too. It's not investing in movies. They're investing in series so i think your series will be in the movie series i think has a really good angle to it that's really good yeah i mean we know the the, the movie series in the first movie will be, be one of the most successful films in cinematic history we know the television series will be will be huge from from global globally i mean around the world whatever platform we use on we're in that time like you said it's a very it's the ideal time it's the real time people are tired and sick and tired of this crap you know a lot lots happened in, in the last couple of years the curtain's been pulled people are waking up we've got millions of people that are finally seeing truth if you will mm -hmm. uh, we have millions of kids being pulled out of traditional schools you know we have a homeschool revolution from five million That's to right. almost 20 million kids now and you're talking about like coming back full circle you know like uh, how, how do you how do you incorporate the creativity into the whole classroom experience i think homeschooling is is, is amazing the best and most educated children i've ever met in my life are homeschooled I think you're right instead of it looking like a hillbilly backwards thing to do it's starting to be like oh this is the thing to do if we want our kids to have creativity if we want them to have critical thinking skills yeah. if we want them to be ready to tackle what they have to tackle you kind of have to do homeschooling or something different because it's the regular system it just isn't isn't working for them and it's not like that anymore uh, not that it was but i'm saying there's so many avenues with the homeschool, meaning like you did, you don't necessarily have to stay home as one parent to yes. homeschool your kids. You can drop them off at another homeschool group. 
you know, of, of 10 or 15 different kids. And then there's hybrid models with, with charter school systems. I mean, there's online, there's, there's in-depth, there's something where you could get together with five or four other parents or moms. And maybe once a week, you guys stay, you stay home and you, and to educate the kids and you, and maybe your subject is art and maybe that's their subject is math. And you do that. And, you know, you, you work a 40 hour week at work in a different way, you know what I mean? Or you have one day off or, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it, but you absolutely cannot afford anymore to not educate your children to the best of your abilities. And you, and then we're, we're past the stage. Like I was lucky. I grew up in Corona Mar Elementary um, in Newport Beach, gorgeous area, great school. I had wonderful teachers. And again, that was like 40 years ago. Do you know what I mean? And I was fortunate. It was a very nice, affluent area. But that the system's changed. And I'm not saying, I'm not. this isn't a knock against the, the thousands of teachers that you know, are just trying to do the best they can or stuck in a bad system um, or some of the schools that work, but most of them don't because it's, it's based on that model and it's, and it's, and it's designed and has been designed to, to really um, educate creativity and education out of, of children, to educate learning out of children, the love of learning out of children. Um, so they're kind of robotic socialistic system. It's always been like that starting really all the way back in the early, um, 21st century, you know, well, and it's designed that way. And it, and because it's so bad, it'll self-destruct as you create something new. It is. We're talking about something new, homeschooling, while it's not new, it's being reinvented and it's something new, it's a better yeah. system and people are moving to it because they're seeing something better. And there'll be more advancements in homeschooling with the internet and, and ways, creative yeah. ways to allow working professionals to integrate themselves and their families into a homeschooling environment because that's the number one thing people are are afraid of is i don't have time to be homeschool but there are like you said there are creative ways for working professionals who are working all the time to be able to provide for their children in this way i'm seeing i'm meeting 10 11 12 year olds you know in the homeschool movement that like they're grounded. They're they're well spoken. Yes, uh, yes. They ask great questions. They're not antsy. They're not fidgety. And they're not fiddling around with their phones. They're 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 often one or two years ahead That's of a right. twelve or thirteen year old, which is very years common. Years ahead. The whole, yep. the whole system is a joke. You know what I mean? I'm like, I graduated twenty two, and now I can start life. Are you out of your out of your are you out of mind? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean, the whole the whole system has been inflated and ridiculous. And even today, like, I don't know, what is it, like $400,000, you know what I mean? After your college I, I do, degree. I do know. Most college degrees are just not worth Nothing. it. No, no. Yeah. So, so things are just restructuring. It's so, it's a breath of fresh air. And it's so, it nice. is. these are solutions. These are people are. starting to come up with solutions to our problems, which is so fantastic. They weren't there 10 years ago and we're seeing- no. We're seeing things popping up everywhere. Thank you so much for joining the program. This is really interesting. Sure. Where can people learn more about you, the movie series, buy the book, and go forward? Yeah, check out our check out our award winning website, Britfield.com. It's a beautiful website. It's um it's got over four hundred pictures of England and over hundred pages worth of information. And so if you're reading the book, you know, um, or or you're homeschooler or you're teaching in a classroom, you can actually go to the website and see Yorkshire or see Oxford and High Street or see London and the Serpentine Lake and all the beautiful pictures, all the great buildings. We have a special three book special that if you buy through the website, um, you get signed copies, and I'm probably going to be doing that for a very short time. Like, I'm still signing copies, but I mean, I'm getting so busy that I'm just not going to have the the time for to do that. And so, it's a great gift, great Christmas gift. Um, 55% of our reading audience are adults, so so adults love it. Um, our youngest reader, seven, our oldest reader, has been 93. So, I need um, a signed copy and- from you. That's what I need. Yeah. I I need a signed couple signed copies because I'll give it to my parents and my family, and I got oh, to buy love it. I mean. Yeah. yeah, you sit there and say, you, you kind of think like, oh, it's 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 children's books, and it's not really a children's book. It's like 384 pages, and it's very great vocabulary, very structured, fast moving. I, I came at this from, as a script writer, and so that's why 90% of the people that read it, um, you know, say it reads like a movie. And um, and the, my technique of editing just keeps it tight and very fast. To give an example, when I'm um, on my last draft of, of each book, 
and I'm coming through it as a paper edit, very different than the computer edit. I try to get I try to get rid of one sentence every page. So it's like, what absolutely does not need to be there? Is there anything redundant? Have I repeated something? And it just tightens it and tightens it. And so it's just the information you need. That's why I've had I've had 12 year olds that have read Britfield Lost Crown in five hours. You know, wow. I've had I've had adults that have read it in one sitting. You know, they just get down and they just they just go. And um, which is cool, <laughs> you know, it's exciting. So how many pages? Uh, and then we're it? on Amazon. Yeah, we're on Amazon and all the other platforms. So how many pages uh, is it? Book one is <clears throat> book one is three hundred eighty-four pages. Book two, Britfield and the Rise of the Lion, which takes place in France, is four hundred seventy-four pages. Book three, which we launched in September last year, is five hundred seventy-five pages, and it takes place in Italy. And then I'm working on book four right now, Britfield and the Eastern Empire takes place and starts in vienna is it bigger all through uh that's gonna be 450. oh so you coming... reduced it i was thinking you're gonna try to beat each one <laughs> no and I, and I wasn't and i and i don't write what's, what's i know i'm these... giving you crap oh no that's no, okay because you know some of these authors like 800 pages i'm like what are you doing your time like you you know like like i don't live to write you know what i mean i write to live and um uh, but but even even book three at 575 pages i wasn't trying to write a bigger book it's just the story continue it was so big as it developed it was so amazing but now for the next four books i'm really trying to keep them down at a 450 page streamlined um for a lot of reasons and stuff but and i'm doing things that are different now from from one two and three and stuff so it's pretty cool awesome well thank you so much for joining the program i really appreciate it. this was a great discussion it was fun and thank you and thank you for having me on your show it's a privilege